Podcast. I'm Alan. I'm Ryan. And I'm Devin. And today we're talking about Devin's pick, The Phantom of the Opera. Um, before we get into that, though, how are you guys doing? It's been a week. Yeah, it it's been, been, a, been week. a week. What, what a week. <laughs> Lemon, it's Tuesday. Uh, oh, kind of, though. I mean, it's, yeah. I don't know. It, it's been, I mean, it's been a good one, but it's been a long one so far. I'm ready for Friday. Somebody told me it's the third week of school, and I was like, is it? It feels like the fifth. Oh, I like, bet it does. It's, I'm ready for a vacation. So. I mean, it's almost, right? You guys get, like, half term? Uh, no. I, <sighs> I, have a, I, have a, I have a long weekend, though. Like, I, I worked on Labor Day, so. Oh, sure. But, yeah. Good talk. Almost. I tried. Uh, <laughs> I tried. Look, I tried. Yeah. I tried for you, Alan. Uh, it's so okay. We're going to start the show off by talking about uh, things that we watch in pop culture this week. Uh, like we said, it's been a week. Like we've, we've all been cra- crazy schedules and such, but uh, we have a little bit of a follow-up from last week uh, with Devin, who last week we had, in case, you're, in case you're getting caught up on the show, last week we had our back-to-school triple feature where we each picked a film that had to do with schools for uh, back to school because schools are starting and all of that my pick was sister act two back in the habit <laughs> knowing full well that Devin has never seen sister act one um so Devin, what did you watch this week guys i watched sister act one or just sister act if you will yeah They're, they didn't do a tagline to this one no. it's not like sister act no. one Gaining the habit or something. It's, or? Okay, so the uh, poster here has the caption on it. Uh, actually, let me pull it up on my phone so I can actually read it. Um, <laughs> no sex, no booze, no men, no way. Oh, yeah. not what I would have picked for Sister yeah. Act 1 is the... And then at the top of the poster it just says, whoopee! <laughs> Does it though? Because that's, that's how I read her name. <laughs> you're doing it right yeah yeah that's why that's why i can't watch the view seriously <laughs> that re- that reason alone <laughs> oh i hope that's true guys this was a really good movie i like this one so much better than two do you guys have that same thing do you guys like this a lot better than two i like them both equally yeah same no way i yes really I, well because I, we grew up with them Devin. Okay. <laughs> I, I'm quicker to watch two just because I enjoy the, the school stuff a little bit more. Like having one as the foundation with the nuns and stuff is great. But I, I, I just like the uh, the fun in two a little bit more. So, I mean, that's fair. There was a little bit more fun in two, I think. And there was a little bit more music in two than, than I thought there was going to be. L- let me put it this way. I have watched... Mm-hmm. I have listened to my Sister Act 2 soundtrack on vinyl. I have not opened Sister Act 1. <laughs> well, they mostly do the songs in Sister Act 1 in the opening bit of Sister Act 2. Like exactly. when you told me, Devin, they recap Sister Act 1 in the opening, 
you were spot on, man. That's exactly what they do. Do you know why? Because <clears throat> I, I had seen before. Sister Act 1. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, no, it, it honestly surprised me how much I enjoyed this one in terms of like the songs that they did, in terms of like the plot. There's still like the relatively like unrealistic world that they live in that I think is sometimes funny. Where like yeah. they play like they're they're just singing like a song in church and like wandering teens come in because it sounds cool. I'm like, all right, it's never happened in the history of any church, but I thought it was very fun. Yeah. Okay, well, I'm glad you enjoyed it. Do, yeah. So you like you liked it more than two? Yes, very much so. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I mean, I now want to go back to two at some point and watch it, knowing what I know now, instead of just like, well, they. Like, because the nuns to me seemed like the most fun part of Sister Act 2, and I wanted more of them, and now I got more of them. So I wonder if now with this baseline, I'll like them more in two. Okay. Um, I watched a thing this weekend. Tell me. I, uh, my wife and I sat down on Sunday when we celebrated Labor Day, and we watched Super Mario Brothers, the Super Mario Brothers movie, the new one, not the one with uh, John Leguizamo and Bob Hodgkins. Um, oh, what'd you think? This movie is delightful. It's so much fun. Uh, there were so many jokes that just hit home and were perfect. Because uh, this is one of those movies that the students that I work with have been talking about in like the film classes. And there was like a moment that somebody brought up when I was around and I was like, Oh, that's a weird choice. I wonder why they did that. And then as soon as I saw the scene, I was like, I know exactly why they did that. And let me tell you why they did it. And that's not an excuse for, for them doing it. But there's a reason. And it's it's silly. But that's why. And I told them that today. Or I told them I told them that this week. And they're like, oh, yeah, I guess that would make sense. It's like, yep. Um, well, now you got to tell me. What was it? What did you explain? There's a flashback. Um, so the whole thing is Luigi gets captured. There's a flashback yeah. to... Like Luigi's captured and it's a flashback to when they're younger and Luigi's getting picked on in the playground and Mario sticks up for him. And the whole thing was like, why is this part of the movie? Like it, the conversation was, it doesn't make any sense to the plot. And it's like, it doesn't make any sense to the plot. Well, they have it is so they get the character designs of baby Mario and baby Luigi in the, into the movie. That's exactly it. Yeah. So, but there's a lot of fun Easter eggs. Um, and Yoshi eggs. Um, yeah. This is this is a lot of fun. We'll probably have to do this on the show at some point before the end of the year. Because, Ryan, you good? haven't seen this, right? I've seen half of it. I enjoyed it. I just, I had to go to bed. I had to go to bed. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, I, I really enjoyed it. So. Oh, good. Highly recommend good. it. I can't, I can't wait to talk about it on a whole yes. episode now. Yes. It'll, it'll be fun. So. At the rate this year is going, we have like all the video game adaptations to talk about. So, yeah, we um, certainly do. All right, so let's get into today's main topic: 2004's The Phantom of the Opera. Uh, Devin, this is your pick um, because each week, if you're new to the show, we go through and make each other watch movies one of us has never seen. I had never seen Phantom of the Opera that I can remember. So. <laughs> um, <laughs> But yeah, Devin, this is your pick. Go ahead and introduce it for us. Sure. So this is 2004's Phantom of the Opera, directed by Joel Schumacher, starring Gerard Butler as the Phantom, Emily Rossum, and Patrick Wilson. 
Uh, I had seen this movie first when in high school because we had been we had done a Phantom of the Opera medley. And if you want high school stories from that, I have high school stories from that. Just I've got wait. I've got one on deck for that. So oh no, yeah. <laughs> but we have uh, yeah. So we did it for that. So for that reason, one of our band classes, we sat down and watched this movie. And honestly, I fell in love with the music straight away. I owned the music book on for saxophone and played through most of the songs pretty frequently. I've seen this movie at least probably eight to 10 times. I've seen the play live in Los Angeles once. I've seen it in West End twice now. I have a phantom bear. I like this musical a lot. I like the music in it a lot. I am, I'm a bit of a fan. Uh, now I understand that, the, that this isn't perfect. I understand the movie adaptation isn't perfect. I understand that the, the play itself or the, the musical itself isn't perfect. And one of my favorite things to do is just talk about Phantom, even if it's not positive. So <laughs> I, I'm so excited for both of your takes on this. I cannot wait. Let's start with your, let's not ask how you liked it first. Let's start with your exposure to this first. So Ryan, was this your first watch of this movie? What is your history with Phantom? So I remember when this movie was coming out, it was a big deal. Uh, I was, uh, I was in a commercial art graphic design class when I was in high school at our local Votech and our teacher was very, very interested in this movie. So like we heard about okay. it nonstop until it came out. Um, I always liked the Phantoms theme, um, the one song in it. And I, don't remember if I saw it in theaters or not. If I did, it was because my parents wanted to see it. And of course I had to go along. Um, and, but I do know that we owned this on VHS and DVD and I did watch it several times. Not on my own will though. But it just like was on and it like was just, around when you, it was just on and around and it was the, and it was the, you know, it's still mid early millennium. So there really was, there was just times where it's like, I'll just sit in the living room and watch this movie. There's nothing else to do. It was my exact experience with the movie Cats, by the way. Yeah. Uh, you watch Cats on nothing. VHS? Uh, yeah, the original one. Like the original Broadway supercut one. Absolutely. Uh, so, Alan, before we ask yes. how you liked it, I just want to know yes. what is your history with this? So my history with this is I, I was in the same high school band as you. Um, I you think, were? Oh my gosh. I think I was in choir the day that you guys watched the movie because I don't remember watching it. Um, but I remember playing the mel the the mel mel melody uh, of all of the songs of this in mm -hmm. in band. I think we played it twice that year. Um, but I remember that and I, I, I've known the music. I, I've heard like renditions of it, like covers from different artists, like for some reason, I have a bunch of John Barrowman songs on my on my phone. So he does a, a version of Music of the Night, I think. Oh, incredible. Yeah. Um, but there was also a duet with Kelly Clarkson and Josh Groban doing All I Ask of You that I had at one point. So I like the music, but I've never really sought out the, the movie. It was one of those shows that I was like, I'll see it on Broadway one day. And then they closed it on Broadway. Um, but... <laughs> Yeah, so 
I, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed the music beforehand and gotcha, but yeah. I never watched the movie. Never watched the movie. Got it. So then now to the big question then after having watched it, we'll go with Ryan first. Ryan, what did you think of it? Watching it, not passively with your parents watching it in the room. You actually assumably sat down and watched it end to end. What did you think? I had completely forgotten everything about this movie. Oh. If, <laughs> if that gives you any answers to what I thought about it as a teenager. I mean, <laughs> um, so I felt like I was almost watching this thing for the first time. Um, there are moments I liked. There are moments I didn't. And there are certain characters I can't, I, I just can't get over and I don't under, and it leaves me with questions about how I've heard people talk about this play in general. And I don't know if that's because of how badly this movie either did a hatchet job to the original story, or if I'm seeing themes in the play that weren't necessarily supposed to be there and I'm reading too much into it. I cannot wait to talk about that because there's a lot in this story that can read as a little bit strange or a little bit problematic or a little bit weird. And there's a lot that the movie did very differently than, than any adaptation I've seen. So I'm really excited to talk about that. So please, please, please keep that for later. <laughs> so then with that in mind, Alan, you came to this new, what yes. did you think of it? Uh, I, real quick. I wanted to remember every word you just said for later in the show. Oh no. Okay. Um, oh no! I I enjoyed this. Uh, I watched this with headphones on, so I got like the full musical experience of it as I watched the rental on YouTube. Uh, <laughs> but I, I had to rent it. So on the scale of things that I, how angry that I am that I had to rent it, I'm mm -hmm. slightly annoyed, but it was worth it. Um, I enjoyed it. There were things about it that reminded me of other stuff that we'll get into. Um, but yeah, it was, it was, it was fine. Not knowing the Broadway show, like never seeing it on Broadway. Um, I don't have that to compare it to, but my wife who has seen the show on Broadway multiple times was like, don't watch the movie. It sucks. Mm -hmm. So yeah. Got it. So speaking to that quick, generally speaking, that's what the fan base for Phantom thinks is that in general, the movie sucks pretty hard in comparison to it. And a lot of it is the performances. So the Phantom, how Gerard Butler plays him, some of the effects in it aren't as good. Um, some of the, the, generally speaking, people don't like Emily Rossum very much either as Christine. Um, but it's, it's just not as good. It really isn't as good as seeing it live in theater. And part of it is, and, and Ryan, this might be one of your problems, the Phantom can be played a lot of different ways. He's a bit like, and this is a really poor comparison, so I'm sorry for anybody that cares about these things. He's a bit hmm. like Hamlet, where if you play the Phantom wrong, the Phantom comes across as a very, very, very awful character. And I think Gerard Butler doesn't play him very well. Is that Gerard Butler not playing him well, or was that the direction he was given? Because it, I don't know, yeah. given the words he says... Mm -hmm. Given the words and the sentence structure that he says and half of the things that come out of his mouth, I don't know how you could play that to not make it look like he's a complete D-bag. Oh, okay. So he's a complete D-bag. Like, for for I, me, yeah. I mean, look. look, look. Yeah. Yes, he is. 
furthering that conversation, I don't think that's entirely his fault. There's a bigger v- villain in this, based in this movie. There's there is one person who is to blame for everything that happens, Tell and me. she gets off scot free. The uh, the mother, the ballerina teacher, she's the Madame one that Jerry. put him. Yeah, she's the she's the 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 big bad in this, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, I think the, the no the big bad in this is opera. That's not kid ourselves like (laughs) there's a whole musical style of opera yeah no Um, i'm not gonna i'm not gonna i'm gonna myself (laughs) ryan we're we're gonna have to talk then about the sequel to this because i cannot can we i cannot wait to talk about that Yeah, yeah so there's a sequel called love never dies Oh my gosh, yeah, Ryan! Let, let, let's you save that. Some... Let's save that for a yeah. bit because I, I almost watched that. <laughs> Don't! Oh my gosh, Ryan Allen! No, no, no! Yeah, I uh, just just to, just for the show. Like, how committed am I to the bit? Very none. No. Um, there's not much oh. I want to do for this podcast. Luckily, <laughs> it was very late that night, and I decided oh, against good. it. So I I would have been so sad if you had seen it because I. I know the premise. Someone's told me the premise of Love Never Dies. It was like Andrew Lloyd Webber's like passion project, this musical. He workshopped it all to death. And we'll get into specifics of the plot later. But I would I won't even watch it. And I love Phantom of the Opera. I will not watch the second one. Will not. Will you watch so, Bad Cinderella though? Hundred percent I would. Oh, <laughs> super watch bads. It sounds awful as well. So Ryan, let me help to answer some of your questions about the Phantom. So in terms of the language, in terms of the dia- the sheer dialogue, that doesn't really change between the movies. So at one point when he goes, you little lying Delilah, that happens on stage too. And it's as yeah. awkward on stage yeah. as it is here. That doesn't bother me because of... Oh. So, no. So That kills me. Tell me. It's the fact, and this is my problem. Mm-hmm. And maybe I'm looking at this through modern eyes and I should be giving it some more slack. Like I do the whole Lyling line Delilah line. I, I don't know. Um, he wants love and affection in return from his pupil, from his student, mm-hmm. because he is giving her all of these things that she never asked for. Mm-hmm. And he's and he's assuming and expecting love and affection on his terms in return from her without any concept to what she wants and cares about. And what happens later on at the end of this movie that we can get to and then all of a sudden he has like his like moment in the light. Like, I, no, that's no, no. Oh, no. boy. There's two. Oh. No. No, there, there is, the, the, you don't have someone who's that, who's, uh, who's, who's been that's secluded from from other human contact, being the same person that doesn't really know social cues, has been living in the sewers his whole life, or basement dungeon, whatever it is, and whatever play version of this that there is. Candle factory. Candle factory. Thank you. And um, you have that one thing makes makes up for what twenty five years of self isolation. So I'm gonna I'm gonna frame it like this to you, Ryan. I'm gonna say that this people like the fan. So the Phantom is a bad guy. 
unequivocally, yeah. he's a bad guy. His motives are bad. His motives are shitty, and his motives are icky. That I'm not arguing that. But there's a, there's a factor here that I'm going to call the Snape factor. So Snape, in the Harry Potter movies, is a jerk the whole time. He makes fun of Lily Potter. He makes fun of Harry. He, he's not a redeemable character. But people go, oh, but he's so deep because he had a crush on Lily and we didn't know until just now. And that one small redeeming thing, because he had a crush, because he had a bad whatever, like made up for it for some people. That is exactly the same way for the Phantom. Because he had a bad childhood, because his mother abandoned him, because he like saw the light and was like, no, 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 I'm in the wrong, go ahead. That act of redemption is enough for people to buy into that character arc in the same way that people buy into the fact that Snape said he had a crush on Lily Potter was enough to completely redeem his whole character for him, the, I think. I think you're simplifying Snape a little bit too much. I, we'll have to have a larger talk about Harry Potter because yeah, I don't um, love a lot of it. I mean, it's fine. It's fun. It's very fun. But I, I, I feel like the, there's more to the, the Snape thing than just he liked lily potter it's more that yes he liked lily potter and she married james but he also spent after her death he spent all those years protecting harry and was undercover to protect harry Mm. um and i think a lot of the redemption for snape comes from alan rickman's performance well that's certainly true yeah Mm. Uh, and and Gerard Butler didn't do the same thing for no. the Phantom. Gerard Butler no. is is no Hans Gruber. So <laughs> no matter how many action movie he, movies he's in. Okay, so. so people can take that as redemption if they want. I'm not, mm-hmm. simply because I don't believe that it takes a half second for someone to snap out of the lifelong isolation and torment that he put himself through. And on top of that, he he didn't really put it through himself either. He was abused and isolated before he was down there and was put down there for hiding for, I'm going to assume, some people might be like, we're going to hide you for a week and then they'll they'll stop looking for you and then we'll take mm-hmm. you out and you can do whatever. No, she kept him down there. Mm-hmm. It, I, I think the bigger issue we're talking about here is villain redemption arcs. and Exactly. Like, are there... Like, if we start nitpicking villain redemption arcs, like, how, Ryan, how do you feel about Darth Vader at the end of Return of the Jedi? It's exactly where I'm, I was going to go with this. I'm, I'm not, I do not want to turn this into a thing about you. But, you, I, I, I mean, it's, it, the thing is, I'm talking about a movie mm-hmm. that <laughs> this is coming from a whole lifetime of myself, knowing people who see this as this huge romantic story. Yeah. And this huge, like, this that's what i was expecting i thought that this was like okay the uh okay so first off what i know about the phantom of the opera i got mainly from a modern retelling of this that came out in the 70s called phantom of the paradise Ah. it was my dad's favorite movie so i saw that a lot Mm -hmm. so i thought okay this is a dark twisted 1970s like retelling and from what I heard from a bunch of people that I know growing up about the Phantom and how romantic it is, and then seeing the Phantom and how cynical that was, and I'm like, okay, so the Phantom is this guy who's a genius who's mangled and stays out of the light because he's, you know, ashamed of how he looks. 
but he's just really passionate, but he doesn't really want to hurt or harm anyone, and he really does care about this woman, and this woman has to learn to kind of like, okay, he's a little kooky, but he's fine. And then I actually watch this and not just, you know, have it on in the background when I was a teenager, and I'm going, no, this guy is a jerk, and mm-hmm. he's expecting love in return when that's not like it's that's where all of this is coming from when when it comes to Darth Vader in Star Wars I didn't have a whole lifetime of never really watching Star Wars and then and then people telling me that oh this movie is like Darth Vader you know like he's such the anti-hero and and all of this other stuff and then and then like watching Star Wars for the first time like I have a whole lifetime to like yeah. rationalize Darth Vader's redemption arc which I don't really feel like he was really redeemed anyway it was like oh no he turned good at the end I'm like okay fine he's a force ghost uh people still see him as a giant villain in that you know in the yeah. whole you know as okay. Darth Vader all right. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, I thought you had more. No, no sorry. Okay. No, I'm, so, I'm, I'm sorry. Like no. that's my yep, main yep. thing. That, 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 that's really it. That's fair. <laughs> I mean, so one of the things that is very different between this and any any version that I've seen is that Gerard Butler plays the Phantom very aggressively, and in any other version that I've seen, they play the Phantom almost very sad. And he never he never rises to the same kind of anger that Gerard Butler's performance does, especially yeah. the version that I saw recently in West End. If he ever went on the offensive at all, so there wasn't this like big fight in the graveyard like there was in this movie. It was mostly just him standing on top of the grave shooting fireworks roughly in Raoul's direction, but nothing <laughs> like nothing as threatening as I'll lunge at you with a yeah. sword. So going going back a bit to what Ryan was talking about, I think mm-hmm. there is for most of this, there is like that, that story of he is just misunderstood, but then there is that turning point on the rooftop in the film where he does the reprise of all I ask of you. you. And then that's where he just goes off the deep end. Like, I think, I think Mm. there is a, to a point that the, your Ryan, your understanding of this character and how people see this relationship is act was accurate, but there is a point where it just turns into um, Dateline late night special, where <laughs> he just completely goes off the rails. And, and you're right. I mean, I think that really is the turning point for his character because up until yeah. that point, he's what Ryan said. He's passionate about his music. He's passionate about and, it for Christine. And. Th- there was something about that scene on the rooftop. I need to talk to you guys about because okay. it's something I've been skirting around this whole episode. And we, I'm going to come back to the rooftop. So just bear with me here. Uh, Devin, you read off the names at the top of this show about who made this movie. Did yeah. any of those names sound familiar to you? Oh, all of them. I mean, Patrick Wilson, Andrew Lloyd Webber, Joel no, Schumacher, no, no, no. Gerard no, Bartley. Okay. Who was that second to last one? Schumacher. <laughs> Guys, I, I need to tell you why I really like this movie. Oh, no. <laughs> so for everybody that isn't watching, he just 
took off his Hawaiian shirt, is wearing a Batman shirt. There's a Batman Forever it's poster a Batman behind movie. him. It's a Batman It's movie. a Batman movie. It's a Batman movie. Well, there what? is a background no. character wearing a Batman costume during 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 the masquerade ball yeah. uh, music's number. I didn't know that. I truly didn't no. know that. So Joel Schumacher would not be directing this if he did not direct Batman Forever and Batman and Robin. <laughs> I please walk me through that. Okay. So going back to the rooftop <laughs> scene, uh, yeah. I had something ready for this. I, I will post it on our socials. Uh, that rooftop scene where he's doing the reprise of All I Ask of You, the only thing I could think of was the the Kiss from a Rose music video with Seal <laughs> in his shirt blowing in the wind. No! And I put it together, and it works. Like, <laughs> Oh, I'm so upset about this. Yeah, so uh, check us out on Instagram to see that. But the way, the, the theatricality of the Phantom in this and the way he moves with his cape, and the way he like goes down to his tunnels, like at certain points where he just breaks through glass, like it's a Batman movie. I rewatched Batman forever for this and <laughs> beat for beat. There are just nuances that the character does in this, that, that Batman does too. Like there, there's so much about this that I don't think would have worked with Joel Schumacher, like with any other director, but since Joel Schumacher had two Batman movies under his belt, like, it makes sense. And then Devin, the descriptions that you read off about this movie at the beginning, like, mm-hmm. do you remember what they were? That was your homework. Do you remember? No, I don't remember. No, okay. no, no. We'll have to, we'll have to rewind it to listen to it. Uh, a misunderstood interpretation of the character. Uh, that was it. Like oh, different from the other adaptations. Uh, hello, bat nipples. Like, <laughs> the George Clooney's not, not getting justice. Hold on a second. Oh, there's a George Clooney. Yeah, it's the George Clooney one. Oh, he's got it. Oh, yep. It's yeah. the... Uh, the Bat Nips. Yep. Play Unmasked Batman and win on a drink yes. thing. Yeah. Is that McDonald's so or Burger King? Or Taco, Taco Bell. Bell. Taco Bell. Taco Bell. Okay. Oh, wow. What a find. Also, that is a take on this movie that I've certainly never heard before. And I am so happy that you brought that up because it, it makes sense. It also gave me an excuse, excuse to put out all my Batman Forever stuff. Because <laughs> I've got the Batmobile and the Batcave and the color forms and the Two-Face Ryan gave me. like. Uh, so now and, I need to get you a little Phantom of the Opera action figure to fit in that little Batcave now. Yeah. Uh, I was going to... I have a Robin mask that kind of looks like the Robin mask from the movie. I was going to wear like to do my reveal but <laughs> oh did that Neither, change how you watched the movie absolutely like i went into this knowing it was joel schumacher the director of one of my favorite batman movies and i think that definitely twisted how i watched this movie and the other the other thing that that i they that i was thinking about when i was watching this is it reminded me a bit of moulin rouge Interesting. Tell me more. Yeah, uh, I don't know if it's just the the time period that it's set in, or just the flashbacks to like a different time that they do at the beginning mm-hmm. and at the like throughout the movie. Like it's just the musical and the theater in Paris and the turn of the century. Like it, it felt very. Um, very familiar in that sense. Like I don't, 
I, I don't think if Moulin, if Moulin Rouge hadn't come out, I don't think we would have gotten the live action, the, the, the film adaptation of Phantom. Yeah. Uh, Alan, you're not the only one that had that uh, feeling about it because Kristen was watching it, this with me and we were talking mm-hmm. about about the movie uh, and issues I was having with it <laughs> as it was going on. And then she said, yeah, well, you know, she said, yeah, well, one thing I can tell you is that Moulin Rouge definitely did it a lot better than this one. And I was like, <laughs> well, what? And then she said it again. I was like, oh, OK, well. I paused and I said, well, I mean, at least, you know, Moulin Rouge was made for, you know, you know, was made to be a, you know, a movie first. And this wasn't, she goes, yeah, no, I know, but it still did a better job. (laughs) (laughs) Well, so I'm curious, what, what did Moulin Rouge do a better job of? Because we've done Moulin Rouge on the podcast. If you want to listen back to that episode, definitely do. It was a fun one, but like, what did it do better? Okay. So, I mean, for me personally, um, every musical number in Moulin Rouge, I could, the first, from the very first time I saw that movie as, uh, as a kid, mm-hmm. I could tell you the majority of what the musical numbers were. I may not be able to recite to you the music or give you the name of the song, but I could definitely tell you like what the numbers were, what they did when it was in the movie, like stuff like that mm-hmm. with this one the only musical numbers that got me engaged was i guess music of the night the one where he's leading her down to like his lair mm. and everything like the actual phantom of the opera music like the famous oh, sure. like piano tones the theme, yeah that and then the masquerade like okay uh, which that moment was that moment was out of place for me because I felt like even though throughout the entire movie, they would randomly sing because it's Mm -hmm. a musical and it's an opera. So they're going to sing. But there wasn't enough established big musical numbers that weren't part of a play in the storyline that that scene really threw me off at first. I'm like, hang on a second. Is this a masquerade ball and it's an opera? So they're doing like a musical number or am I watching something they're doing on stage because they're trying to promote something? And it took me a little bit to realize what, 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 what was actually going on because that almost felt like the end of footloose where it's like all of a sudden everyone knows how to dance. (laughs) <laughs> the, the thing that took me out of it for that number is the rest of the movie feels like it's a it's a musical like a, a movie musical masquerade yeah. just felt like it was okay we're gonna take this dance number from the broadway show and film it mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah yeah uh, it's not wrong it's not wrong but i'm also not watching this on disney plus and it's not actually on stage so it just felt weird like it the staging of it just threw me off so well what's interesting is i think it's supposed to like at least in the in the stage adaptation it's supposed to build tension a little bit because you're supposed to now see every single person wearing a mask much like the phantom that you've seen the whole time you're supposed to go oh he could be anywhere here and especially when when the two in charge of the of the theater go ah it's a pity the phantom's not here let's turn around to this whole stage Okay, two, two things. Two things yeah. I need to talk about. They both involve Jim Carrey, uh, but not in Batman Forever. <laughs> One, 
The mask what? things. All I could think about was we all wear masks, metaphorically speaking, like from the mask. Like that's all I could think about throughout Masquerade. But then the one theater owner, did you recognize him from anything else? No. Which one? The one from Andre? Ace Ventura when when nature calls. Wait, was he the Monopoly guy? No, no he was the main bad guy. He's the main bad guy. He's the mm-hmm. one with the guano on his boot. Simon yeah. Callow. Yeah. Ah, uh, that's so funny. I didn't so even realize that. Every time he came on screen, I'm like, guano. Like. <laughs> <laughs> no, and I'm glad I didn't realize it because it would have ruined it a little bit. It's for all me. connected. I'm like Jim Carrey in the number 23, also directed by Joel Schumacher. <laughs> it's all oh connected, man. oh well so hold on ryan to your point about masquerade and the phantom of the opera being the only really big musical numbers have you ever seen les mis i tried watching it is that (laughs) really hard for you because it's it's similar isn't it it's a sing-through where there aren't big musical numbers they're just singing I have to say, I really wasn't in the right headspace for it because I didn't realize that's what it was. And that's not the type of movie I was in the mood for. I thought sure. like, like, so when it comes to these classic musicals, like I, like I, I didn't do theater in school. I didn't do music. I, I was in choir in sixth grade and I got yelled at, uh, by the choir teacher because he wanted us to do more hand movements than actual singing. And I got tired of it. So I stopped doing it. And he yelled at me and I was like, I'm, I'm, I'm out of here then. So yeah. whatever. Um, but, but anyway, so like I never, so when La Miz came out and eventually it got to the point where it was on like HBO or something mm. or whatever, and I was like, okay, yeah. So well, like, I know it's based off a of play. I got that from just noise around me. And I'm like, okay, and it's a musical or an opera. Okay, fine. I've seen stuff like this. It'll be like maybe 20, 30% talking and the rest will be singing and like numbers and stuff. That's fine. And then it started and I'm like, um, no, I, I, I can't do this right now. It looks interesting. I'm very interested in the story. I love who's in it, but I just, I, I can't do this right now. And I just never went back to it. That'll have to be a musical we do next then. Like knowing what it is. I. I think if we're I think if we're out of our San Francisco era, we're into our musical era. We might be. We very well might be into our musical era, and I'm not mad about it because we started with Sister Act, yeah. which is kind of a musical. I mean, no, it's on. It's in no. West End, right? No, I'm not. It is, but that's a different version of it. Like, no, I think maybe that maybe that was our transition into the because like, because it was San Francisco, and then it's a little bit of music, so. <laughs> Uh, but Alan, did you have the same reaction to the songs, or or did you, since you've done them in band and know them as separate pieces, I uh, singing them in context was a little bit different. Um, mm. I enjoyed the, I enjoyed all of the songs, and like Masquerade was the only one that I had an issue with, mainly because of the blocking. But I will never be able to watch that scene with the Phantom on the roof, roof without see, seeing Seal with the bat signal behind him. I'm so worried um, to watch your video now. I'll send it to you right now. Um, you have to. Yeah. Because I, I do want to get your guys' reaction to it. So let Okay, me... good. So while he's sending it, then just quick question for the group. What was your favorite song? Uh, Ryan, what was your favorite song? The 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 phantom one if, if that songs theme. of the night yeah yeah the phantom because i've i've heard that covered by metal bands i've heard yep. that covered by you know punk bands and it it's 
it's one of the very few songs played on an organ that I that I actually like. Um, and I feel like it's because of how like great time for him to freeze. Oh, good. He froze for you too. I was like, what happened to me? Uh, so I sent the video. Uh, so you should have Okay, it. cool. So maybe that, maybe that's what made him freeze. Now I feel bad. Oh, did you send it through? There Facebook. it is. Yeah. Uh, it looks like Ryan's sleeping. <laughs> it really does. It's incredible. Uh, okay. This, so is what, while this, I... is, this is what happens when Ryan goes to the opera. He falls asleep. <laughs> oh, poor guy. Yeah. He's all tuckered out. All right. While, while I watch this. Yeah. Oh, wait. Here's Ryan. He's back. Yeah. Hey. So what's the last thing you heard? Last thing. <laughs> uh, so you said that your favorite. So you like the fan of the opera one. You've heard that covered by a bunch of metal bands. But then you said yeah. the one thing I will say is. And then there was nothing. Yeah. Yeah, I don't remember. Okay. <laughs> I was halfway through talking yeah. and I looked up and I realized you guys were frozen. And I'm like, oh, crap. And then my mind yeah. just went blank. You know what's great? Uh, like, I have to edit that now because he's still talking in his recording. And then it's just going to be us talking like a bunch of jerks over top of him. <laughs> Which is, I'm ne- just now realizing I've never fixed before. So there are multiple episodes where we do that. <laughs> We're just talking right over Ryan. Oh, I'm yeah. sorry, Ryan. Yeah, so 40, uh, 40, 41 minutes. I gotta, I gotta edit that. Uh, so, so I have, I have this video pulled up. I'm ready. Okay. Do you just Ryan. want me to? Do you just want me to press play? Uh, if you can, Ryan, I'll count you guys in so you can watch it. Okay. And then, uh, Ryan, you got it pulled up. Okay. Yeah, it's it's probably why it's probably why your internet froze is because I sent you a video. It could be. While he pulls it up, Alan, quick, what was your favorite song? Uh, all I ask of you, mostly Ooh, be, mostly one. because that's in my vocal range. Oh, incredible. So, Have I, you I, been I, singing I, it around? Not recently. That's one that I would actually sing like in the car if it came on, like the yeah. Broadway channels. So. I, I auditioned on what the Phantom sings in the mirror. I auditioned it, and it won me a part in, in college. So oh, yeah. that's, yeah, that's a fun little thing. Do you want, uh, my favorite do you, one. Do you want to give us what? a little rendition of it? <laughs> always. Literally always. Actually, uh, can I give you a rendition of my favorite song in this one? Sure. It's, it's notes. I love notes. Where they go, far too many notes for my taste, and most of them about Christine. All we've heard since we've came was Miss Daye's name. And then she goes, she's here. And that's how the song ends. Okay. I love it. That was actually really okay. good. Thank you. All right. Are and, we ready and, for and now it's sealed. taking for, it's okay. it's it's taking forever. Okay. No worries. We can we can wait. But I'm I'm also keen once Ryan's all queued up to then and once we do this to tell him about two. Because I think he's going to add, do you know the plot of two, Alan? I know I know the setting, and even that's just enough for me. Like, you know what? Nope. Oh like boy, I, <laughs> the setting's like the redeeming part of it. Oh really? Yeah, it gets worse from there. Oh god. Oh, I can't wait. I'm so excited. Oh, you know what? A, you know what I can do? What? I can, I can play. If you guys are gonna pull it up, I can pull it up into the live stream. Oh, nice. Let me find it. Yeah, there we go. Oh, that's not what I wanted yet. Okay. 
little bit of a tease. The other option is I could just play it in the live stream for you guys if that works. Yeah, I mean, I'm happy for you to play right. it in the live stream for us. But it's good. It's good. Okay. So, Devin, you go ahead. I, I will. I will hit play. Okay. Great. Got it. Oh. Oh, I hate it. Oh my gosh. Alan, it fits so well. <laughs> right? Alan, I'm actually really mad about this. <laughs> Did you speed up or slow down no, any part of I this to make it work? No, I didn't do anything. I just lined it up to the end of the song. That's all I did. So even with the pull away, <laughs> it lines up perfectly with the music fading out. Like it, it's so perfect. And, wow. Joel, Sch and Joel Schumacher directed that video. So like the, the seal video. So. Do you think Joe Schumacher does that in his free time? I bet he does. I bet uh, he knew he did that. I don't think he does because he's dead. <laughs> well, this is super awkward. <laughs> I didn't know he was dead. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> now I feel bad. Uh, I'll, 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 can I redeem you with the Joel Schumacher story that I have? Yes, please. Because uh, yes, I, I tease that I have a Kevin Smith story to tell as well. Yeah, yeah. I, I've told you guys this. I don't think I've talked about this on the show. But I'm, enough time has passed. I'm going to talk about it on the show. Um, so I a few months ago, I went to New Jersey to see the director's cut of Jersey Girl at Kevin Smith's theater. And because it's a, like a, a Kevin Smith 90s, I was like, you know what? I'm going to wear this Batman shirt. So I wore this Batman shirt. Mm -hmm. So I'm in the lobby getting popcorn and somebody stops me like, hey, cool Batman Forever shirt. Do you like mm -hmm. Batman Forever? It's like, yeah, I'm wearing a shirt. Uh, and he's like, cool. Um, I have a copy of the Schumacher cut. Do you want one? And I was like, go on. So <laughs> for those of you who don't know, the Schumacher cut is Joel Schumacher's director's cut of Batman Forever. That actually makes sense as to why it's called Batman Forever, among other things. There's a whole bunch of deleted scenes. It's, it's an unfinished uh, film that he had a copy of. So I met up with him in the theater, gave him my contact information. Uh, that night, uh, Kevin Smith did the auction that I, I got some stuff at and this guy sweetened his deal. He's like, I'll pay $50 and a copy of the Schumacher cut. Hmm. And Kevin Smith's like, wait, you have the Schumacher cut. And he's like, stop the whole auction to be like, tell me more about this. Uh, and since then, Kevin Smith has gone on record saying, I have the Schumacher cut. I've seen the Schumacher cut and has shown it twice at his theater in New Jersey and talked about wow. it and talked about it on fat man beyond. Um, meanwhile, I have still not gotten my copy of Batman forever. The Schumacher cut. So is, is he, is that guy listening? Is that employee listening now? I, Can we I shame mean, him into getting you the Schumacher no, I'm cut? No, I don't want to shame him. Like things happen. And I, I, like, I'm not, I'm not mad. I'm disappointed. Like, I would love to see it. I didn't make it in New Jersey when they showed it this past weekend or last weekend. I, I missed it. Uh, but I, I feel like, I feel like the, uh, 30th anniversary of Batman forever is coming up. So maybe, 
Maybe, especially when there's no content because of a of a strike or two. Uh, maybe Warner Brothers will put something out to celebrate the 30th anniversary. So, but, if you get it, you have to share, Alan. You have to. I need to see. Oh, it. yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, I might, I I might just find what I can, like just for a side project, find what I can from it, like into deleted scenes and all that, and just do it myself. Because I think there's enough content out there that you can, I could put it together. That's very cool. Do you think that's yeah. what this guy did? Do you think he put it together? No. He actually had like a rough cut of it from the from the 90s. Wow. Because like, it had Good a temporary him. temporary score where the score, was, he told me it was the score from uh, Interview for a Vampire. Interview with a Vampire. So. Oh, fun. Yeah. And, and like some of the Michael Keaton, uh, Danny Elfman score. Wow. So. That's so cool. Yeah. That's my Joel Schumacher story. May he rest in peace. Uh, now, hold on. Did you have a band story from when we played this in band while we're reminiscing? Oh, yes, I do. Tell me. So, Devin, do you remember how the the part in in, in that uh, that piece for Phantom started? It, do you remember when it goes remember? bum 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 bum? No, for when it, when it's Phantom uh, of the Opera, there's something that yeah. th- there's a transition to the to the Phantom of the Opera. Do you remember what it was? No, I don't remember that anymore. Because it was no. loud and obnoxious. It was a gong. It was a gong. That's so, right. This, uh, I hope he's watching right now. Uh, when that gong got... So when we performed this piece, it was for the music in our school's concert in the gymnasium. So not very acoustically friendly. <laughs> uh, much like my current basement. Um, but so we're in a gymnasium and... The, the percussionist just whacks the gong and it's super loud. And my brother, <laughs> who's four or five at the time. No, that can't be right. Yeah, five five or six. Mm-hmm. He, he hits the they hit the gong and he just he just screams at the top of his his lungs. <laughs> and I hear him and I'm playing trumpet trying not to laugh my ass off. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, I didn't know that I forgot the transition was a gong what a weird transition there yeah because it was like one of the opening pieces and then it's I think it was think of me and then it went into the gong seamless yeah. transition if ever there was one Yeah. think oh. of me did need more gong you're absolutely yeah. right Ugh. yeah so Speaking of transition, I don't even know if this fits in transition or not. I you, know what's, you know what's really weird about uh, movie app, uh, like versions of like established stage plays? Tell me. When they do weird things with like the sets, like painting up a bunch of muscle builders' arms and sticking them through paper mache walls and holding candles. And then when you go back to said um, hallway, even though it was glistening with, you know, like clean and candles, and then they go back to that same hallway and it's just covered in cobwebs. <laughs> yeah. So that's really fun. So the, the can I actually have a genuine story for that. So the, the okay. muscly arms that are painted holding the candlesticks, yeah. that's a reference to a really, really, really old version of Beauty and the Beast, like pre-Disney version of Beauty yeah. and the Beast where that's what the beast castle looked like, where it was all those arms holding it. And I always took them 
like going back and them being like gross cobwebs is like Christine was in a daze and everything was more beautiful, but this is the real ugly version of it. But that's how I took it because I've seen this movie a lot. Did you guys that's read fine. it that way or? No. no I just thought it was not. weird. I just it, thought it was well, it, and, and to be fair, they do stage things very differently in this. Like, I think the one that always gets me having seen the, the stage play is the point of no return when they put on the Phantoms play and it's Don Juan triumphant and the music's very weird. Like, in the stage adaptation, they're actually putting on another musical. In the film, they, like, paint some things red and have people dressed up in black, like, black garments and, like, that's the whole musical. And it's like, well you could have tried harder and it makes more sense the way that they do it in the musical than like they put on a budget high school production because they knew they were just trying to arrest the phantom anyway. Like, I don't know. I, that was like, that's always the one set that bothers me the most, I think is that. Um, and then also there's a weird movie goof where Patrick Wilson falls into, into water and a grate closes over his head. But like the, the way the grate would have worked, like it wasn't there when he fell in and magically appeared later. Here, here's one of my hot takes for this movie. Yeah. I think this is the only time I've ever really liked Patrick Wilson, which I did not expect <laughs> to like him in this because one, <laughs> I kept thinking he was James Marsden. <laughs> well, Good. And two, that hair. Oh, like, it bugs me. Oh, really? Yeah. It, it, like, it's obviously a wig, but if you're going to like have that bad of a wig, just give him the, the far quad haircut and just call it a day. <laughs> I never paid attention to his hair that much. Oh, okay. Yeah, I get it. Yep. I, I don't know. They, he's totally fine in this. I don't think he's ever my favorite Raul. I don't think I've ever liked Raul as a character until I saw him on stage. I just don't think he's much of a person in this, to he, be honest. Like, he doesn't have much of a character. He's not, but compared to the Phantom, like... that Fair. Totally fair. The lesser of two evils. He's the, I, Ob he's the Obi-Wan of the Phantom's Vader. <laughs> I think my favorite... <laughs> I see what you did there. Yeah. My favorite part of this whole thing is whenever the Phantom has Raul, like, trapped and in danger and like he's making Christine choose between him or Patrick Wilson. And like, like I still, I've watched this movie a lot. I have no idea what's going on in that scene. He's got him like tied up to a grate, but then puts a noose around his neck that wouldn't work because he's tied up to the grate. Like, unless, he's unless just, he like it, would he lower the grate and like drown him? But the grate only goes up and down. Like you watch the grate lower earlier. It can't go any farther. Like, he's just in some vague amount of danger. Like, there's really nothing, like, happening to him in that scene. Uh, <laughs> I think... Okay, so... Uh, I, I always butcher his name. Gerard Butler plays yeah. the Phantom. Yeah. So, I feel like the crime that this... That the production committed that caused all these problems, the fact that they had him shave. If they wouldn't have had him shave and, and you know, clean-faced, he would have been able to think straight. <laughs> well, so here's my big question about Gerard Butler's looks in this movie, and this isn't a hot take. This is a pretty cold take. The whole plot of the movie 
is that his face was so ugly. He was a circ. He, I've looked worse. Alan, you've seen me worse. When I rolled my face in poison ivy and decided to come to school the next day, I look worse than than Gerard Butler looks in this. Like, it's like they're like, we want him ugly, but still sexy, and like yeah. tried to like manage that. I don't know. Yeah, I mean the beard thing, like. Something was off about Gerard Butler's face, and I guess that was it. Like, I'm so used to seeing him with facial hair. Like, even his headshot on IMDb, he has some scruff. Um, I uh, like, I'm trying to remember what it is that was making me think this is what happens, but I really expected him to take off the mask and just be fine underneath. (laughs) (laughs) But, guys, listen, I'm so deformed. No, <laughs> it's just Gerard Butler. Yeah. See, the thing is, and I had the opposite effect because I've seen like, um, so like I said before, I was in like a, like a specialized art class mm-hmm. uh, as at my Votech. So I had uh, a lot of classmates that, you know, did a lot of like at home art sketchbooks. They always had their sketchbooks with them. You know, the type of people that would have been like the first gen to make That would have made uh, DeviantArt uh, website famous, like that, you know. And so I've seen people do their own like fan drawings of what the Phantom looked like without the mask, and I've Mm -hmm. seen everything from like light scarring to like you know like no skin muscles, bone protruding. So I was expecting like you know a skull to be there, especially after one of the like crewmen on the stage was talking about the phantom about how like he didn't have a nose. Yep. Yep. And stuff like that. You know, I I was expecting so much more. Well, in the stage productions, like you see his brain, like he's like, like he needs the mask to like, there's a chunk up here that you see, like he needs the mask to like survive. Yeah. Um, you know, this all reminds me of the uh, 1995 Joel Schumacher film with, uh, uh, called Batman forever. That features two face. (laughs) <laughs> I, oh. things i didn't realize they're the same movie like <laughs> <laughs> oh i love it so before i talk about the sequel love never dies do you two have anything else about phantom of the opera before we before i get your your hot takes on whether or not you'd watch the sequel um I'm a little bit concerned looking at my background that I have a problem with Batman Forever. Um, but how, commi- how, commi- other- how committed was I to the bit? Fully committed. You absolutely were. Yes. You, you did not sell yourself short. Huh. I got nothing. I, f- Ryan, I-, no, Ryan. I, would like, I would like to see an adaptation of mm-hmm. the Phantom of the Opera, where they ha- where where at some point a a a uh, theater goer gets confused for the opera because he was wearing a prosthetic mask, which is what the Phantom of the Opera was using. Mm-hmm. Like for the time, that was an actual medical thing that people wore that had you know, issues with with their face. They would just paint them to be the skin tone of the patient that wore them. I didn't know that. I truly so didn't like, know that. So, like, if, you know, you were part of some skirmish or a war, 
at some you know at some point and you got like your face deformed and they're really plastic surgery really wasn't a thing so they would just make a cover for it and that's what so what the Phantom of the Opera was wearing for the time period was an actual medical device it was just wasn't painted to match his skin tone because mm. it was probably stolen by the woman who forced him to live in the sewer just being a little kid so again big bad just the ballerina teacher like they all are anyway let's go forward what an excellent transition into what happens next. <laughs> so, after the plot of Phantom of the Opera, according to its sequel, Love Never Dies, two very important things happen. One of which is Christine immediately turns back around and has sex with the Phantom, then turns back around again and lives her life with Raul. So that is canon. That is what happens. Okay, can, can I make a prediction here? Of course you can. The baby is the, the babies is the phantoms. The babies is the phantoms. Because in fact the whole play takes place in 1907 New York where on Coney Island I think mm-hmm. is yep on Coney Island the phantom opens basically a circus. He is no longer relocated to the shadows. He is now very happy to be performing and to be showing people performing. So part of this is that he got over because of Madame Giry, the lady that put him in the basement, helped him to come over. He then convinces Christine that she also needs to perform in his circus and takes Christine and her whole family, including son and now raging alcoholic Raoul from Paris all the way to New York City. Hijinks ensue where the Phantom wants Christine to perform in his circus and she doesn't want to perform in his circus because that's that Trixie Phantom from the first time. And there's this whole thing where Raul never really loved her. And the only person that ever actually loved her for real, really was the Phantom. And then in the end, Meg Giri, uh, Madame Giri's daughter, the, the blonde lady that was a ballerina, she decides that she gets jealous because her mom was too involved with the Phantom and not as much involved in her life. So she decides to kidnap Christine. So Christine becomes kidnapped, and then in the exchange during the kidnapping, Meg Giri brings a gun and accidentally shoots and kills Christine, the Phantom's only true love. Except now he's gained a son. That's love never dies. (laughs) I have nothing good to say about the person who wrote that one. It was, it was Andrew Lloyd Webber. What in the archive of our own fan fiction BS is that? That's all it was. It's like he just trolled through all of the like fanfic of this and is just like okay? added all of it. No. Do, do, do they rap in this? Like, what's the <laughs> angle here? Like, they apparently I, he spent so much money on the costuming for the original show. He has so many random circus acts in this, like how they would have some of the opera bits you'd get to watch. A lot of this is the carnival acts that you get to watch. Okay. So pretty much this is Andrew Lloyd Webber, Andrew Lloyd Webber went to his fridge, saw all of his leftovers in the costume department. He's like, you know what? I'm going to make a show around all this and tie it back into Phantom. Yeah, basically. like all like I wouldn't be surprised if you told me that there were dancing cats in this at one point. 
I'll have to send at some point screenshots of of what some of the outfits were in this because they're insane. They did. I mean, a, they they filmed a stage version of this, and you can rent it on YouTube. You can rent it wherever really? you. Yeah, you can you can watch it. I feel like that should be our next pick. Like, <laughs> oh no! Oh, you can't make me watch it. I'll be so upset. <laughs> I. It, it's oh. just, I've. I've. No. But honestly, honestly, like. Yeah. Out of that whole description you just gave us, gave mm-hmm. me an idea for our neck for my next pick. I'm so which, excited. Which um, isn't because of anything bad you said. It's, it just made something click in my head that reminded me of what I want to make you guys watch next. God, I hope it's Batman Forever. <laughs> When's the last time you saw Batman Forever? It's been years. It's been it's been okay. long enough that I don't remember plot points. Okay. I just remember the puns. All right. And, and this one's not that punny. Yeah, that's, that's I know. more Batman and Robin. Ryan, when's yeah. the last time you saw Batman Forever? Uh, a year and a half ago. Okay. Well done. I like Batman movies. <laughs> they're, they're good movies. Not as and much as me. Blu-ray. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, may, that may or may not be a Halloween movie, so we could probably work something out. Is it a Halloween movie? Yeah. Okay. Drink or treat. Don't yeah. remember that. All right. Anything else for Phantom of the Opera or Love Never Dies? Were, no, man, were, that's it. Were Love rev- should have died. I was going to say that was <laughs> that was the headline in the in the paper the next day. Love should have died and stayed dead. Um. <laughs> Yeah. Okay. Well, I think that does it for this week's episode on the Phantom of the Opera, Batman Forever. Uh, <laughs> um, uh, next week's going to be a little bit different. We're not going to be live on Tuesday. Uh, Devin and Ryan are going to be live on Wednesday. Mm-hmm. Um, so what are you guys going to do then? Ryan, would you like to introduce it? Yes. So... Uh, there's a lot of background to this, which Devin and I will explain when, when, uh, we go live on Wednesday. Um, I do not remember the exact year it came out, but Devin and I are going to be talking about the original Dune movie that was based off the book. Uh, the one that came out during the seventies. Um, it is something that Devin and I have been talking about on the side for a little bit because I just recently picked up the book. So I'm going to be starting my read through. Um, but yeah. So, Alan, uh, the reason why we're doing this is to spare you grief that we know that you would go through if we did this with you on the show. No, that's fine. I'm not a huge David Lynch fan. Can I ask yeah. one question, though? Yeah. Or can, can I just this is just where my mind went. So tell me if I'm wrong, Ryan, and I don't mean any offense by this. Okay. Did you start reading Dune because of Futurama? No, 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 no. no. It, in fact, I um, th- th- this was something that I was bored like uh, two months ago, and I saw that the David Lynch Dune was available to watch, and I was like, you know, I didn't really mind it too much the first time I saw it. I don't really have anything else to do right now. I'm going to watch this again. And I was like, I think I like the corniness of this. Yeah. I think I might actually like this. <laughs> you know, that that might be the one David Lynch movie I would like, but you go, you two go ahead and do it without me. <laughs> um, 
now I now I feel a little bad. <laughs> I feel a little. <laughs> I've got a busy weekend. Okay. If I if I was if I was available this weekend, I would absolutely join you guys. Um, maybe I will if I if I can squeeze it in between now and the weekend. Maybe I'll. Okay. I'll join you on Wednesday, but I'm not gonna make. I'm not gonna commit to that because I've got a packed weekend and a. a yeah, no, end. we understand. Yeah. So, I, and if worst comes yeah. to worst, like pop in and be like, "It was good," and then leave. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'll, I'll see if I can give you notes or something. So. Yeah. Yeah. Perfect. All yeah. right. Well, un- until next time, for you have to watch this podcast. If you are listening to the show, go ahead and head over to our Instagram to see the clip of uh, Seal and the Phantom. Or as I called the uh, clip when I when I saved it out, um, all I asked of Seal. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, check that out on our Instagram. Um, you can subscribe to our YouTube, listen to you have to watch this podcast on all major podcasting platforms. While you're there, go ahead and hit that subscribe button and follow us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Amazon, uh, all those places. Um, and until next time for You Have to Watch This Podcast, I'm Alan. I'm Ryan. And I'm Devin. And ladies and gentlemen, Phantom Seal. <laughs> There's no better way to end it. No, I mean, that's how you got to do it. <laughs> <laughs>